Welcome to Good Faith Reads. I'm your host, Cliff Vaughn, media producer at Good Faith Media. Good Faith Reads is a short podcast released twice a month in which we focus on one of our book authors at Good Faith Media. We've published more than 100 titles under our Nurturing Faith book imprint, and we invite you to check them out at goodfaithmedia.org bookstore. Today's guest is John Roebuck, author of Morning Conversations on the Creation of a People and a Place. He is joining us remotely from Nashville. John, welcome back to the podcast. Great to be back. Thank you. Good to see you today. Nice to see you. Morning Conversations is a devotional book based on an orderly progression through Scripture, and it's actually part of a series of devotional books you've authored. This one kicks off the Old Testament, and it covers Genesis through Ruth. So each devotion covers one chapter, starting in Genesis chapter 1 and going through Ruth chapter 4. That's 236 chapters, 236 days. 236 devotions, and other volumes are coming, so we hope our listeners will stay tuned for those. But tell us, John, how did this massive years-long project get started? Yeah, it really is sort of a uh, an overwhelming experience, to say the least. There are 929 chapters total in the Old Testament, so if you take on the challenge of writing a devotional thought for each one of those, you know you've got a time commitment in front of you. But it really all began years ago. I was journaling my way through the Gospels and uh, just kind of writing a little bit of devotion to my to myself, really. And a church member called me up one day, a local doctor, and he said, you know, I'm just struggling to find some devotional material. What would you recommend? And I said, well, I'm writing a little bit every day. Would you be interested in what I'm just kind of journaling for myself? And he said, yeah, I'd love to see that. And very quickly, he not only enjoyed that, but he started sending it to other family members. And so all of a sudden it dawned on me, oh, maybe there's an audience for this. Maybe people would enjoy hearing this. And so I just started writing my way through the New Testament chapter at a time, and uh, which is a much shorter thing. There's 276, I think, in the, in the New Testament. Um, so suddenly the idea of a book came, came about. I thought, all right, I can push through and do this. And so I wrote the New Testament book and, uh, uh, you know, uh, Nurturing Faith published it, you know, probably, uh, I want to think maybe it's been eight or nine years ago now. And, um, you know, had a lot of good success with that. People seem to really enjoy that. And uh, it just sort of from that, in the back of my mind, I had a dream thought, you know, what would it be like one day to actually have done the whole Bible? And what would it take to do the Old Testament as well? And so uh, I never could really get that idea completely out of my mind. And so during that time, I transitioned from pastoring at Woodmont Baptist to uh, directing the Curb Center here at Belmont. And my scheduling was a little different. Uh, and so I decided just each morning to take on that task of could I write one devotion a day, knowing that it was going to take three years to do it and not to be in a rush about it, not to feel the pressure of this unfinished task, but to just write one a day. So that's really how it came about. It all started with personally journaling through the Gospels, and suddenly now uh, I've completed a, a devotion thought on, on all the chapters of, uh, of the Scriptures. So it's been, been an interesting challenge. been good to kind of offload that and get that done. <laughs> well, you've been at it for a while. Uh, if, if we stick just to the books of Genesis through Ruth that are covered in this volume, was there a particular book or even a portion of a book that was particularly challenging for whatever reason? You know, th there were, uh, within those those particular books, there are several sections that are very tedious and somewhat repetitive. I mean, for example, uh, in the book of Numbers, you've got 
chapters after chapter of just genealogy. So-and-so was the son of so-and-so, the son of so-and-so. And then you've got in Deuteronomy, you've got all of those laws given to Moses on Sinai that do deal with everything from food to, to land, to property, to slaves, to everything. And so that was pretty tedious as well. And then the book of Joshua, once you get through the first, what, eight or nine chapters, you get the story of the conquest. And then the rest of Joshua is all this allotment of land, which tribe got, you know, and it outlines all the boundaries and stuff. So I went in thinking there would be a lot of books or a lot of chapters that would be really hard to draw some inspiration from. But what I was really fascinated to find out is that there was always a compelling insight, maybe a key phrase, maybe just a short statement. Um, and so when I went into the writing process, um, I did so with the idea of saying to the Lord, reveal something to me from this chapter. I want something just to kind of leap off the page at me. And, and where I was fearful that there would be days I would not find a single verse that spoke to me, often it would be, which of these three or four verses do I really want to focus on? Hmm. Uh, so it was a really interesting thing. Um, the things that I thought would be tedious really were, were not. Uh, and, and what you're reminded of, there are some really vague almost trivial stories, you know, related to certain characters that maybe you've heard or maybe you had forgotten. And you're thinking, oh, yeah, when did the suns, you know, not set one day and why? Who was the king that got stabbed in, in his in his gut and who fell through the lattice work? And, and all those things just sort of come back. And uh, it, it was really kind of fun just to kind of be reminded of, uh, of some of the detail behind some of the Old Testament story and narrative. Yeah. So you mentioned these moments of surprise when maybe something you thought would be tedious and, and there was something wonderful or surprising about it. Were there some books or parts of books that you uh, were especially looking forward to that you enjoyed more? than You know, I think the thing that was really surprising and fun for me was how relevant the scriptures continue to be. And I was surprised by that almost daily because something I would be reading or reflecting on would so integrate, uh, so intertwined with current events. And it was just amazing, just, just astounding. Uh, I'm a storyteller. I love, I love writing stories, love telling stories. And so that's, that was part of the fascination. I love the Genesis account, especially, uh, you know, you get through, I think the first 12 chapters are all those primeval stories, you know, Adam and Eve and the Tower of Babel and Noah and the Ark and all that stuff. And then you get into the stories of the, of the ancestors and the great patriarchs, and I just really love that. Um, again, those are stories that we heard as children and were reinforced to us through Sunday school and through sermon. But if you're not careful, you they get away from you, right? And, and to be reminded of them and to be just the stand in awe of some of these biblical characters and their faith commitments and the challenges that they they overcame just to remain faithful. Um, well, very interesting. Also, it was very interesting to see in these characters um, the, the absolute humanity of some of these great leaders uh, that we think of as being just these flawless and perfect, and they're just as imperfect as the rest of us, uh, but, but God chose to use them in fascinating ways, and it reminds me of, of who, who said it recently, uh, we're all cracked. That's where the light comes in, right? And, and maybe it's through our imperfections that, that we find ourselves right where God can use us. But that was an important part and a fun part to hear from as well, to be reminded of those great stories of the, of the Old Testament. We'll be right back with more Good Faith Reads. 
I'm Jenna. I'm Ashley. And we're Reverends. Revs on the road. Hop in the car with us and come along for the ride. As we step out of the pulpit and see what God is up to in the world. We're not leaving the church. We're just finding it in all kinds of beautiful places. Revs on the Road, a podcast from Good Faith Media. We travel the country. From the comfort of our place in Dallas, for now. And catch up with beautiful people doing God's work. Advocating for disability rights. Healing from church hurt and spiritual abuse promoting mental health and the power of community, integrating spirituality and art, working for racial justice, and so much more. We've got red light rants, pit stops, and detours. Faith is a journey, and we're on it. So ride along with us. The Revs. On Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Revs on the Road. I'm Jenna. And I'm Ashley. We're Revs on the Road, a podcast from Good Faith Media. Learn more at goodfaithmedia.org. Welcome back to Good Faith Reads. Today we're joined remotely by John Roebuck, author of the Good Faith Media book, Morning Conversations on the Creation of a People and a Place. I'm Cliff Vaughn of Good Faith Media. John, talk to us more about your writing process. Do you have any tips for devotional writing in particular? What makes a good devotion? Yeah, uh, several responses to that question. You know, there's an old saying that says life by the yard is hard, but by the inch it's a cinch. And maybe that's true when you take on some kind of process of writing a, a devotional thought for each day. So my goal was to write one day at a time and to really let it be one chapter per day. I never tried to double up and I never let myself feel the tension of saying, oh, my gosh, I didn't get it done on Monday. So Tuesday, I've got to write two of them. Uh, the goal was to write one a day, and if you missed a day, you just missed a day. Uh, so I just kept writing forward with that. You, you do live with the tension of the unfinished work. Uh, there, there may always be in the back of your mind, oh, I want to do more. I want to get more done. But for me, at least, I found a better rhythm of saying I want to draw from one chapter a day and live with one insight a day. Uh, I, I just wanted to sort of uh, let the, the, the insight for that day have the room to kind of you know, resonate in my mind for a little bit. And so I thought I was an important process in devotion writing, not trying to sit down and like hammer out five at a time, did one a day. The other thing that I found really important was to have a regular time of writing and a regular place for writing. Uh, for me, it was getting into the office and writing for the first 30 minutes of every work day. Uh, I was in a, a place and it was my work where I could do that. Um, and it was interesting that if I didn't get it done in the first 30 minutes or so of the day, more than likely it wasn't going to happen that day. I would miss that day just because life spools up and then work life gets busy, phone starts ringing and emails start popping in. So to find that regular time was important. I got into a nice rhythm with that. I didn't write on the weekends. I just wrote Monday through Friday. I just gave myself the, the weekend off not to live with that tension and then to have that place of writing, I, I do think it's obviously you can write anywhere. But for me, having the same routine, having the same resource volumes right at hand, having the same computer in front of me just allowed me to get into it a little quicker each day. It was not like, oh, I got to find a place. Is it quiet around here? Who's drinking coffee? I was, you know, alone and quiet in my office. Um, I do think in terms of for what makes a good devotion, 
it's like anything else. You got to connect with the audience and then you got to connect the audience uh, to biblical truth. And for me, connecting with the audience, most of my devotions always have some story or personal life experience to them. Uh, because I think if I can make uh, the reader see that I'm a real person, here's the stuff going on with me, then maybe they can also say, oh, I see how the, the same biblical truth can apply to my life. Um, obviously, you're just you're trying to make the text come alive. And again, I think you do that through storying or through the sharing of a personal experience. Uh, so routine in place and, and not, again, being overburdened with, oh, I've got to write 10 of them today. No, I'm going to do one a day. And if I'm behind on my schedule, I'm behind on my schedule. I went into it with a kind of a, a, a vague ending goal. I want to be done with it by such and such a time. Uh, but I knew that if I didn't get there, nobody was, you know, world wasn't going to quit spinning, anything like that. So, yeah, your comments speak to the importance of rhythm and discipline. But yet, as you mentioned, not feeling overburdened with something, which probably speaks a great deal to balance um, in, in the approach which I think shines through in the in the book itself. So you recommend that folks read the scriptural chapter first and then move on to the devotion. And each devotional has a key verse, an observation, an application, and a prayer. And you just mentioned that the application portion has personal stories, popular culture references, news headlines, right. and so forth. I'm curious, is devotional writing, or how is devotional writing similar to and different from preaching? That's a great question. I think the the fundamental bottom line of the answer to that is that devotions at least in my mind are written to be read where sermons are written to be heard and that's a real distinction for me because um in devotion writing you tend to paint with a very broad brush you know god is love here's the story here's the prayer for the day where in the sermon writing, you develop the background, you have a chance to really get into the weeds with it, you flesh out the story a little bit more, you have obviously more time to communicate and to re-emphasize over and over again the truth that you're trying to convey for the sermon. Uh, so again, the sermon is to be heard, and you, you write it with the idea of how do I connect with an audience? Uh, I, even in my, in my preaching, uh, and I've gone to no note preaching so that I can have greater movement. But sometimes I will even in my mind plan out to which side of the stage am I going to talk when I, you know, am I going to move toward this when I give this illustration, when I give this truth, do I move back and forth? Where the devotion is the idea, yeah, you pick it up and you read it. Uh, and so it's a different form of communication. They don't see your eyes. They don't see your facial expression. So um, you write with a little different nuance, I think. An important note to all of our listeners, we at Good Faith Media are always accepting book proposals. Our authors engage with an experienced team of editors, designers, and marketers to produce and sell books on a variety of topics. If you have a book proposal you'd like to run by us, head on over to goodfaithmedia.org bookstore for more information. That's goodfaithmedia.org bookstore. John, would you read for us a sentence or two from the book? Sure. You know, there, like you said, there's several hundred in this one volume to kind of look through, but I want to read you just a passage from uh, Leviticus chapter one, where it talks about, uh, the scriptures talk about people offering sacrifices that are a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And, and when I began to write the devotional thought, I, I thought about walking through my own neighborhood and how you can tell what someone is cooking 
by the by the scent that your nose picks up, right? Oh, so-and-so's doing hot dogs, so-and-so's got ribs going, somebody's got hamburgers. But, it, you know, the, the, the connection between memory and thought and, and what we smell is so very strong. And I just was thinking about the ancient Israelites as they went through their community and they smelled the burning of the sacrificial meat and how good that must have smelled. And maybe it said to them, hey, someone is worshiping today. Someone is making an atonement for a sin. And so um, uh, I write... Um, I write these words. When the ancient Israelites together to worship, the air was surely filled with the aroma of meat grilling on the altar. It was to be, as Moses describes, a sweet aroma to the Lord. The scent surely found its way heavenward, but it also lingered among the community of Israel. It would not have taken long for the smell to become associated with worship. Each time the distinct smell found the noses of the Israelites, they were reminded that God was worthy of worship. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, they were to that we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ. Well, just as the scent of sacrificed meat found its way through the community, shouldn't something of our influence find its way among the places we, where we live? Has not God called us to become the salt and light that affects the world around us? So, what about your aroma? Or better stated, what about your influence? Does your practice of faith reach the hearts of your community? Are people reminded through your attitudes, words, and actions? that there is a God who is worthy to be worshiped. Just some thoughts on the pleasing aroma of sacrifice. Our guest today on Good Faith Reads has been John Roebuck, author of Morning Conversations on the Creation of a People and a Place. The book, along with more than 100 other titles, is available as both a print book and ebook at goodfaithmedia.org bookstore. John, thanks for being our guest today. Been a pleasure. Thank you always.